Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. In this episode, I sit down and talk with Todd Wells, a uh, professional mountain bike rider, a very accomplished athlete in the sport of mountain biking. If, if you're into the sport, you know who Todd Wells is, and uh, he's a local from Durango, Colorado. Uh, I wanted to sit down with him, talk about his upcoming event that he uh, kind of puts on hosts in uh, Durango, Colorado. It's the Durango Dirt Fondo. That'll take place on the 15th of September, I believe. Um, yeah, we just talked a little bit about how the Fondo kind of started, where it's going, and just a little bit about the course and uh, just what it, what it's really about and what it's really for. And uh, But yeah, it's something near and dear to his heart. His community in general is something that he really cares about. So I had a lot of fun sitting down and talk, talking with him about that. Uh, obviously, I had to ask some questions about... <laughs> Uh, just his little bit of past, present, uh, future. And, uh, Todd's just, he, he's been in the sport for so long that he's got this toolbox full of knowledge and just wisdom that I had to kind of dig in, ask him a few questions, get some advice for him, some advice for your listeners. Cause, uh, yeah, just, he's a great guy, great outlook and had a lot of success in the sport and just has just a ton of experience and knowledge. So it was fun. I had a lot of fun getting, sitting down, talking to him. He was a really nice guy. And uh, hope you guys also enjoy it. So, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. And I will talk to you guys in the next one. Cool. Uh, well, here at Todd Wells. And I'm pretty stoked to talk to you, man. And I appreciate you taking the time. And... Uh, one thing that I'm really intrigued by and I really am excited to talk to you about is that uh, you're, you've had success in a sport where you had to start where we didn't have the technology that we have now. The power watt meters, the bikes, the rims, the strong 29er wheels. And so I'm all, I always think of, when I think of you, I'm like, man, you, were, you had to start it out Rocky style. <laughs> Hitting a heavy bag and drinking <laughs> eggs, is that how it was back in the day? For sure, it's hard to believe this sport of mountain biking ever took off with the equipment we used to have to ride with. Um, 26 inch wheels, steel frame, no front suspension, um, cantilever brakes, tires that were like, we pumped the tires up to about 60 PSI <laughs> so you didn't flat and they had, you know, the, the tread and the compounds and everything. Um, it was just so, so kind of first generation and the trails as well. We didn't have a lot of purpose built mountain bike trails. We, it was linking whatever, you know, quad tracks, Jeep road, um, dirt bike trails. There were very few, um, mountain bike specific trails. And so we had these far less capable bikes that would break all the time. And you know, you bend your rim constantly, the spokes would break. And then the brake pads would rub through the side of the sidewall of the tire and you get a flat tire. And I, um, I grew up in New York and started riding bikes back in New York. And so there's a lot of bugs. It's humid. It's like you stop to change a flat tire. You have to walk with your tire as you're changing it. Otherwise, you just get attacked by these gnarly <laughs> mosquitoes and black flies. And, um, you know, but it, I loved it. Yeah. And it was so cool to... Um, I had grown up racing BMX oh, nice. and back in New York in the Hudson Valley and to get, get where you could go explore these areas and just kind of go on your own and just get out in the woods, it was 
very cool in the, <clears throat> the race scene at that time as well. Um, it was just a big party festival and I started in the mid-90s mountain biking <clears throat> and there were no X Games or extreme sports or mountain biking was an extreme sport. Guys weren't doing double back flips on motorcycles and all this crazy stuff. It was like riding your bike down a hill with spandex on was like extreme. Um, but it was this... That would really, still be considered extreme. That's still extreme. That's right. <laughs> we're still extreme. Um, but it's a really cool time to be involved with this sport and it, it was. It was... Um, a U.S. dominated sport at that time and the U.S. created the sport more or less all these frame builders and um, these kind of tinkerers and um, it was I feel very fortunate to have been involved in the sport then that's so cool so yeah you look at us now and you're like these kids are spoiled coming up oh man <laughs> I, the trails are so awesome now they're so nice um, it's amazing and you know racing seems like it's less popular here in the U.S. Um, than it was back in those earlier days, but far more people ride mountain bikes or exposed to mountain bikes, and almost every city has a some type of trail system, and most people have a mountain bike at least hanging up in their garage or have tried this sport, so it's cool. It's, a, yeah. it's more of a lifestyle sport now. Yeah, and that, that's a good segue into talking about racing. That the re main reason I wanted to talk to you uh, is because this month, and now in September, you got your Dirt Fondo coming up. And how did that come about? When when did that start? And I know you're almost a year into retirement now, but but you started this while you were still racing, correct? What, what, exactly. How many years is this going? Yeah, so this will be the third year for the Dirt Fondo, and it's on September 15th here in Durango. Um, the website is... Todd's Durango Dirt Fondo.com and it's got all the information and um, registration, all that stuff. But anyway, I've always wanted to have this Dirt Fondo here. Durango, we have amazing trails, and I really want to expose those trails to not only people outside of town, which that's kind of my vision or my yeah. goal that eventually it'll become this big event similar to the Iron Horse where it's on people's calendar all year Perfect. they want to do it um, and then it creates you know keeps people riding through the late summer into the fall keeps the bike shops busy yeah but really I wanted to create this just a cool event where we would draw people from out of town show them what a great place Durango is what great trails we have as well as bring the local community in the way the Iron Horse does and everyone in town gets excited for the Iron Horse and they, they're all out there training all spring for it. Um, and so I, I had this vision to bring kind of that feeling to the mountain bike side in the fall and we were able to ride this. So this is the third year of the event. It okay. started in, we took a year off last year, so it was 2015, or, Two years ago, we took a year off, so it came back last year, 17, nice. 16. So 2015, and it was, it happened to be the 25-year anniversary of the first mountain bike world championships that were held here in, at Purgatory. Um, did you so race those? I didn't race those. I got to Durango <laughs> in 95. Oh, okay. So I missed it by a little bit, about five years. <laughs> so anyway, so it was the 25th year of the... Of yeah, the... so it was the 25th anniversary of the first ever, yeah. or first UCI sanctioned mountain bike world championships. Oh, and so I had been pitching this idea to some people around town 
for a while because I, at the time I was racing, I was busy. I didn't, I don't know oh, how yeah. to put on an event. I, I mean, it takes a lot of effort to put on just a local little race. Um, and so anyway, with the 25 year anniversary, I finally got some traction with the Iron Horse Committee and I talked Ned into do, Ned over and into doing it with me. Uh-huh. And it was awesome. We had this dirt fondo that was kind of a celebration for the 25th anniversary of the world champs. We had old time riders like Tomac, Julie Furtado, Rishi Graywall, um, you know, local guys, HB, all, all these people came, did the ride, and we had this big party down at the powerhouse, which is down by the river, and right. we had like a old bike museum set up, and I oh, mean, man. it was it was so cool. Um, and then the next year, it lost a little bit of traction. Like there was no more 25 year anniversary, right. and we had put a lot into that event. It it didn't really, it didn't kind of grow organically. It was just like all of a sudden, boom, a big event. Yeah. Um, and it went away for a year, <clears throat> and we started it again last year, and it was a little bit smaller. And I wanted, of course, it'd be great if it were just big out of the gate, but I wanted it to be more organic and sustainable, where it kind of grew at its own pace yeah. and we didn't force it and so we were lucky two years ago the forest service gave gave us access to missionary ridge okay. and we were able to incorporate that side of town those trails into the ride the year the first year we did it we just did a almost all the trails in town okay what where's exactly missionary ridge I, i'm so, not too familiar with it I should know. Yeah. I'm sure I've wrote something. So like it's it. northwest of town, or northeast of town. So if you're going up towards Purgatory, it's on the right-hand side. That's, that that top of that hillside. Animus Mountains? Animus Mountains on the left-hand side. Okay. So this, for the Fondo this year, we have three different distances, a 40-mile, a 20-mile, and an 8-mile. Nice. And the 40-mile is the big one that uses Missionary Ridge. So we essentially go north out the valley... Um, and then we climb up Mich- north towards Purgatory, out the valley, and then we make a right and we climb up Missionary Ridge Road, the dirt road, for about four miles. Is that before Hesperus or around Hesperus? Um, that is before Shalona, before the climb up towards Purgatory. Okay. Um, and so we climb up all the way up to this Missionary Ridge to Stevens Creek Trail to the top of Missionary Ridge. Okay. And take that back towards town. Is that what burnt this year? Anything? It wasn't, no, it didn't burn this year. Okay. That was on the other side of the highway, but it had oh, burned right. about okay. 15 years ago. It was a big fire up there. Oh, okay. And so <clears throat> the trails have just started to get good up there again within the past four or five years, but a lot of people don't think of it anymore either because it had been closed. They're just, there oh. are a million down trees all the time. So we're also trying to get expose people to some trails that maybe they don't always ride very cool um to alleviate some of the stress on the current popular trails yeah man that's so cool are you will you be racing it also yep i'll be well so it's not a race it's a ride okay um (laughs) and so the whole fondo thing some people do race it Uh um but it's also more of an organized social ride so, you know, you have the guys, they, they like to race, they, you know, blast out there and go super fast. And then we have all the way to someone that if the fastest riders do it in three hours, we got people that'll do it in eight hours. And it's, um, there's no timing. Everyone has number plates, but there's no timing. So it's not a race. We have aid stations, the course is marked. So it's, it's essentially like a social ride with your buddies that 
is taken care of, that you know, you have food, you're not going to get lost, there's EMTs out there if you crash, and Very so it's cool. just, you know. How cool, man, yeah, so it's, there's no excuse not to come out and just that's right. give your, uh, challenge yourself, challenge your inner self. For sure. That's so cool, man. Heck yeah. Um, so, uh, you, you, you're, what I really like about you is you're really good about getting involved in the local stuff, so, yeah, and... It's cool you find time, like uh, before we started this podcast, you were talking about races like the Road Apple and um, the one in Aztec, the Alien Mountain Bike Race. And uh, you still do those these days, to this day. Is there a part of you that where you kind of feel like you have to fit that in or you want to or you just... It's just convenience. I mean, yeah, just support all of those the local, things. Support the local scene. For sure. I've, I raced the Road Apple for the first time when I first moved here in 95. Oh, and man. it was so cool. As a kid from New York that, you know, there weren't many top-level cyclists in New York where I grew up. Um, and to come out here and all of a sudden I'm surrounded by these guys whose pictures were hanging in my bedroom from the <laughs> magazines. And I remember the Road Apple is the first race that I got to deal with them because I came out in the summer and most of the pros were gone, you know, they're racing all over the world, they're busy, but the season had kind of wound down so they were all at the Road Apple and it was, it was so cool to get to ride with those guys. But um, anyway, I've probably done the Road Apple six or seven times and the Alien Run, um, this year was my second year. But it's been great, since I retired, I've been able to do all of these races closer to home that in the past either I was gone racing or I had to do a different type of training or resting. And it's funny, when I, when I retired this winter, I didn't think I would be riding that much. But it's awesome, we have so many great <laughs> races all within, you know, from right here in town to four or five hours away, you get in the car, you make a weekend of it, and it's yeah. it's been great. So I love to get out there, and I I raced professionally for over twenty years and rode a ton as a kid. So it's just kind of part of part of who I am and what I do. And at first, I thought oh, I'm not going to ride that much, but you know <laughs> that didn't last very long. So it's. I feel very fortunate to have such great, fun races right yeah. here in our community. And some good sponsors. Your sponsors still kind of, you, you're still able to work with them a little bit. Um, e exactly. I still have kept the sponsors, most of the sponsors that I've had these past couple years. Um, Scott and SRAM yeah. for my bicycle stuff are great. And <clears throat> I have a bunch of other personal sponsors. Um, that take care of me pretty well and enable me to get out there because as we all know bike racing isn't cheap yeah um so <laughs> it's nice to have some support i love that you have that background though you have that credibility you know you've been doing it for so many years and you already have the name nowadays it seems like if you want to sponsor it's how many followers you have on social media and stuff you you kind of miss the social media era and yeah but you, even you, on social media though people still love you because of what you know your career you've had well, yeah, it's funny. I mean, when I started racing, you got you got support or paid or whatever based solely on your results. Yep. And nowadays, you have guys that get great results, but you know they're not as active on social media. Sure, the best guys still get yeah. you know yeah. taken yeah. care still of. Yeah. But when you're on that cusp of kind of being, you know, kind of getting the results, you might have better results than some other people, but they might be more into the social media. And you're right, the social media plays a big part 
nowadays in sponsorship it for really good does. or bad. It's crazy, huh? Yeah. Awesome, man. So, uh, you have a plan on, you going to plan on riding the road apple this year maybe, or yeah, I want to have the time. I want to ride the road apple. Um, I'm hoping to. Nice. Cool, man. I don't know. Uh, see see what else we got talked about here uh i was gonna ask you i guess just i know we're gonna try to keep this a little bit short but uh what advice would you have for young kids just uh anyone out there listening who's wanting to make a career out of bike riding it it's i haven't been doing this very long but it seems like it's something you're absolutely just have to love and let the pieces just fall where they fall um is that with your experience what I mean, is that what made you successful on your bike and successful in your career? Is that you just rode your bike all the time? I mean, that obviously is a big proponent to to any success in anything, but um, what kind of tips would you give kids as far as not taking it too serious or... Yeah, well, for sure you have to love it. Um, And when I got into the sport, it was the heyday of the sport. And even experts got paychecks in those days. And now, you know, most pros are struggling to scrape by and... 99.9% of them aren't getting rich doing it. Um, Of course, if you're Nino Schurter, the best guy in the world, you're going to be taken care of pretty well. Um, But otherwise, you just have to be out there and you have to really love it. And um, it was just something I was always passionate about. And I would always just, I loved it. So I would do it all the time. And it wasn't any type of sacrifice really for me because it was just like if I could ride my bike. You know, if I could do more intervals or ride longer or rest more and that would make me faster by 30 seconds or a minute, I was all in. Um, So you really got to love it. But at the same time, nowadays there aren't as many opportunities in the sport. The sport, when I got into it, was very new. Um, The industry, a lot of the people that were in the sport in the beginning then just ended up in the industry. but nowadays, the industry is already full of people that yeah. have been in the sport or in business. So there's not as there aren't as many necessarily opportunities where everybody that is into riding just funneled right. into the industry. Or you know, if you were halfway decent, you would get a contract and a job, and you'd get to do it. Um, it's a lot harder now. So definitely staying in school while you're doing it. We're lucky we have NICA now which is the high school mountain bike league uh-huh. that is in 22 states, I believe. Dang. And it's got anywhere from chapters with some states have a couple hundred kids. Some states have thousands of kids. And so then that NICA league feeds the um, collegiate league. And I actually yeah. just was doing a race today up at Purgatory. They had a collegiate race up there, the Fort Lewis home race. Um, and they also had an open category. But so now, you know, it's funneling a lot of kids into that collegiate cycling. And I think we're going to see more and more top riders come out of the U.S. Um, And hopefully stay on the mountain bike. Because we have a lot of guys, even just right now, Sepp Kuss is a guy from Durango. He Uh races on the road. He's currently racing the Vuelta. And he's crushing it up there. He just won the Tour of Utah. And he was a mountain biker for a long time. And then I could, I don't know Seth very well, and you know, I, I know him from around town, but uh-huh. it seemed to me like he wanted to stay on the mountain bike and there just wasn't the opportunity there. Oh, so yeah. on the road, he had the opportunity and given that three or four year gap to develop, now all of a sudden he's, 
he's the best guy, U.S. guy riding the Vuelta right now. Dang. So, I mean, it's... Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. And, you know, a lot of times it's one of those sports you have to stick with it. It feels like you're just pounding your head against the wall. And then, but all of it, right when you think, like, I'm done, I'm going to give up. It's just not happening. A lot of times you have those breakthroughs. So endurance sports like that, it's important too. If it is something that you're passionate about, not to give up. I see so many people that they're so close to making it. And a lot of kids as well have success when they're younger. Um, our area is unique because there's so many amazing kids. But you go to other places and these kids are, you know, levels faster than any of the other kids. So they're kind of just riding by themselves. They're kind of riding by themselves and they're used to always being like the guy yeah. or the girl. And then they go and get more competition and all of a sudden it's like they're not the fastest kid anymore and it, you know, it's hard on them. Um, so I think sticking with it is a big part. Um, and now it's become more of a, it's almost like a lifestyle sport. I said it before, but um, you know, a lot, most people aren't getting rich doing it. Some, some do, but people love riding. They like being outdoors. They like being healthy. They're really passionate about bikes and that, you know, yeah. there's enough ways that you can make it work now that you can kind of follow that passion or dream as long as you want to really. Exactly. And, and in my opinion, everything's pretty good, but you, you can get an entry level bike and I, my I think an NX drivetrain ship's pretty darn good. I mean, compared to what you used to have to race oh, on, man. NX is probably top of the line. Yeah, light years ahead <laughs> of what we were riding back then. Oh man, that's too funny. What's it like? I was going to ask you, what's it like when you're at the when you were at the peak of your training? How difficult was that, or was it difficult, or were you just so focused when you're training at like the highest level? I mean, is there a is there a trick to that, to staying mentally strong? Just uh, just give us like a little insight of how hard, how dedicated you have to be to compete with like the best people in the world. Yeah. You, you did, right? I mean, you were yeah. competing at the very top of the sport. For sure. I, I was fortunate to be, you know, at the top of the sport for a little while. And I mean, it's amazing. And it's like anything, when you're in it and you're doing it, you're not thinking of it so much as these sacrifices. It's just... You know, it's what you do. It's like people that work all the time and whatever big jobs, they just get up, they go to work. Um, it's the same thing. You get up and you go to work. Um, but it is really cool to be at that level and, you know, to have a good result in a World Cup or a World Championships or something and to know that, you know, on that day, you were X number in the world. Um, it's so cool. And like I said, in the U.S., the racing people aren't as enamored with it or they're not super into the racing. But in Europe, I mean, it's a, there's thousands and thousands of people lining the sides of the courses and they're outside the team trailers and everything. And it's just like, of course, not the same level as the Tour de France, but it's a level where there's this huge respect and they view it as this big sport. And um, it's so cool to be a part of that. Um, but the, the training wasn't all that much different from the training I did prior to and post um, to having that really high level. The, the focus is hard um, right. and not during the race and not in the training, but you have to be gone a lot from home. Uh -huh. um, races are all over the world. You're spending weeks at a time over in Europe. 
um, or other countries and you're just out of your routine. So it's not like you go ride your normal trail or road or go eat at your favorite burrito shop or go to your normal coffee shop or, you know, at night you watch whatever TV. You're, you're in a foreign environment. You got some spotty internet that's connecting on and off. You know, you get like three channels on the TV and, and you're in all these beautiful places, but you're there, you're so focused to try to be the best you can against the best people in the world that you're not, you're not like getting to really enjoy it. Sure, you get, a, you get a glimpse and you see things, but you spend more time sitting in your bed in the hotel room resting, doing nothing, or you're out training focused. So okay. it's just that part of it is hard in being away from the family, um, but the, the racing and the training itself is it's awesome. It's why we do it. Man, that's cool. So yeah, just trying to keep that schedule going, huh? Exactly. Crazy. Cool, man. Uh, well, I guess that's... Uh, I don't really know what else I wanted to touch on. I had a few things. Do you have any more... Uh, what, what's some of your most memorable moments in racing? Just to leave us with a quick story. I mean, is there anything that stands out? Maybe like sure. embarrassments or crashes? I mean, maybe when you're a racer those things happen so you don't think of them as embarrassments yeah. but it, or battles maybe getting battles that stand out in your career that you're just well like, so for me i kind of had this turning point in my career um in 2008 i think and i had been um racing the world cup for probably eight or nine years and i I'd get some decent results domestically. Maybe I'd be 10 or 15 and I'd go to Europe and I'd be 20 or 25. Never really part of the race though. And so there was this race, it's my favorite race, and it was in Hoofelies, Belgium. And if you've ever seen, or your listeners, the Liège-Bastogne-Liège poster, where it's a road race and the guys are riding up between, the pelotons going up through these super narrow buildings on this street. And we started the race. The race was in that town where those pictures were taken. And we started up that pavement climb. But it was the beginning of the year. And it was the first World Cup of the season. Our bikes had gotten stolen three days before the race. And the whole, like, everybody's trailers got hit. And so the mechanics were scrambling to, like, get these bikes built up for us. And it's in Belgium. And it's cold. And it's rainy. And it's, like... I'm like, you know, another season where I'll be riding around in 30th place or whatever it is. And that day, I had this amazing race. You start literally straight up a pavement climb. It probably goes up like, I don't know, three or 400 feet, just boom, right out of the gun. And I find myself going up this climb and normally it's everything I got to maintain my position. If I start in 30th place, I have to have a good start and I'll go over the top of the climber into the single track in 30th place. Um, and this, this day, you know, we ride up the hill for three or four minutes and we're getting ready to crest it. And the lead group is right there, like three or four guys. And I'm right there and I'm, I'm thinking like, wow, should I jump across to that lead group? And I'm like, man, I better just, you know, <laughs> take it a little easy. But that race was the first time I made it into the lead group at a World Cup in Europe and really featured, I felt like I was part of the race. I think I made me end up 12th there, which I had had a better 
U.S. Uh -huh. World Cup than that. But that was the first time I really felt like I was part of a race in Europe. And that season, I had my best World Cup season ever. And it was so cool. It was just like, for whatever reason, it, it wasn't like I had changed my training a lot or I had lost 10 pounds or I was putting out 30 more watts or any of that. It was just like this mental shift. And after that race, I felt like I belonged up there. And it was just amazing to be part of those races. And that, you know, that race was a huge turning point in my career. And I felt like I kind of switched on from then. Before I'd be happy to, you know, be whatever place or I just want to make it towards the finish if it was a domestic race in the lead group or something. And then it was like, okay, for these World Cups, I want to be up there and fight to be in that front group or in the chase group. And then at these domestic races, I don't want to get on the podium. I want to try to win those races. Yeah. And so that one race was a huge shift for me. Dang, that's crazy. Yeah, so just... You never know when something like that's gonna happen. Yeah. Just all of a sudden. And I mean, I had beaten, that was the thing, I beat my head against the wall in Europe. I'd go there, get my butt kicked, come home, I'd have to go back over there, knowing I was gonna get my butt kicked, come home, do it all over again. But probably my, for me as a cyclist or as a professional athlete, my biggest quality is that I'm stubborn. Oh, I just, whatever it is, I don't know, you know, it's not something you learn or, get taught or whatever it just kind of it just would not quit I would you know I loved it I wanted to keep doing it and then all of a sudden right when I was like not that I was going to quit but I was like this just is never going to happen for me yeah, yeah. I'm close but like, there's a difference between there and where I want to get to yeah and it was just like all these things went wrong leading into the race and then I have this amazing race and it was crazy it was a it was a really cool experience, and I feel like that set the tone for um, for the next really nine or ten years of my career, and it was awesome. So that point, that will always stick with you? Always. Always. Yep. Dude, that's so cool, man. Yeah. I love it. Uh, what's your favorite trails to ride around town? Do you have any? Whew. Local loops or any, anything? Yeah, I mean, we're pretty lucky here in Durango. <laughs> I mean, you go out your door and you pick a direction you want to go and we have great trails. But um, Colorado Trail is always one of my favorite trails. There's a trail that got built for the first year we did the Fondo, which comes off of Raiders Ridge. Um, the trail going up to it is the Skyline Trail. They built that trail when they had the... Okay single speed world champs here okay maybe that's on this ago. west side of right yeah yeah okay I know yep you know where it's at yeah, yeah over by horse gulch and so anyway they built this trail to avoid going down the ridge for those that have never been to durango the ridge is probably our rockiest most technical um trail we have here in town yeah and skylines this beautiful twisty you know they built it so a single speed bike can ride up but it's great nice. um but a lot of people the ridge is a little much for them. So they yeah. built this sugar trail, which drops you down to Horse Gulch Road. And like I said, they built it originally, the Fondo, or the Fondo opened that trail, should oh, I say. Nice. Um, Super cool. They built it, the Fondo was the first ride on it. Anyway, the trail, they built it, and it was like just this switchback trail, and it was, it was okay, but it hadn't really been ridden in that much. But now, after a few years of having been ridden in, 
it is just so much fun. There's these little like jumps and burns <laughs> and it just really is starting to flow That's super so cool. nicely right now. And so that has been one of my favorite trails lately. Would you like to see more of that or not? Just kind of... Yeah, I... You like the more organic kind of nat natural stuff or yeah, just whatever? I like whatever. <laughs> I like it all. Um, and it's cool. They've been doing some work up at Purgatory this year. Oh, yeah. Um, there's, there were these plans to open a bunch of trails. There were a lot of events that were supposed to go up, happen up there. Then we had the 416 fire, kind of put yeah. that on hold. But what's really cool is I was just up there today, and it's like the ski area is finally getting it. Yeah. It's summertime. There's people hanging out like they do on a ski day in the winter. Um, so people are eating food down at the bottom, sitting in the chairs, having some drinks. Um, doing yeah. laps on the gondola and so it's really cool those are also some fun trails that they're starting yeah. to get opened up there and that flow trail they built a couple of years ago is now starting to get worked in pretty nice and it's a good time to be a bike rider around here we're pretty fortunate do you do you get into that stuff do you get do you got a 184 drop or do you get into the yeah i have that stuff? stuff no not hardcore i feel like i'm too old for that now <laughs> Um, get you I, a full face helmet yeah I don't want to crash I don't want to have to use that front part of the helmet ever um, I do a little bit but not nothing crazy I have a I have a bigger bike a genius and I have a cross-country bike with a dropper post on it that I use some but um, I, I don't get too crazy <laughs> Oh, cool, man. We're right on. We'll let you go, Todd. That was fun. And I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully I can catch up with you in the future and have another discussion. And just talk about just a little bit of whatever. See how the Fondo is going. See how that stuff's going. And I hope to see it grow. I really do. And uh, would you ever see it going in as far as getting a part of... It seems like a good place for those epic rides, those... Uh, uh, you you have a lot of experience doing those, the fat tire crits and all that yeah. stuff. Do they have anything like that in Durango? Yeah. Um, we don't have any. We have the Iron Horse Mountain Bike Race, which is kind of a mix between. It's a shorter loop, but we do go through town. We ride through the Steamworks Brewery, so it's almost like it's a very unique race, and it, it's got a little fat boy crit esque feeling yeah. to it. But um, I don't know. Those epic rides events are awesome, and it'd be amazing to see something like that come to town. But yeah. um, as far as the Fondo doing that, I don't know. That's a, this is more of a social <laughs> ride than a, yeah. a serious race. So right we'll on, see. Man. Well, with that, I'll let you go. Appreciate it. Appreciate the time. Yeah, thank appreciate, you. Yeah, appreciate all you listening out, listening out there. Um, got anything you want to say? Where can people find you or sign up? for the Yeah, so again, the Fondo site is toddsdurangodirtfondo.com. And it's got all the information about the race. We got a 40 mile, a 20 mile, and an 8 mile. We're going to have a kids race in the park after the, um, after the rides finish around 12.30 or 1. It's all based out of Buckley Park. And kids races are free. I think it's from 10 years old down. We have a little strider course we set up. And I'll be there flipping burgers for everybody <laughs> at the finish. So... Um, it's going to be a fun time, and if you're around September 15th, we'd love to have you. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks, guys.